0: Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big- for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heafel falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey, guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. red Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Ardulla. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast.
1: Welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia and joined with... The Curator. And we are here at Halo Haven uh, like we were last week in the beautiful uh, Angel Stadium seat. So let's get this uh, podcast rolling again. We're going to review this week, uh, our this last series out in Texas uh, against the Rangers. Not a great series when they were in Anaheim, so hoping to do better uh, coming up this series. And it started on a good note, getting Anthony Rendon and Mike Track, Mike trout back for this series and i think we talked about it the expectations are kind of high now because they're able to get these guys back in the lineup
2: yeah it's a projected lineup that you you want to see all together you look like in the nba trying to get like the big three yeah all together yeah. and uh seeing them back yeah. and uh see what they could really do and kind of put together a streak
1: yeah so those guys are back in the lineup again rendon coming off the il trout getting hit in houston missed the last three games um luckily never had to go on the IL but he was back in the lineup and Otani took the mound and a little bit of history going with this game um Otani led at this point led the major leagues with home runs and started a game for the first time since
0: The Great Bambino
1: That
2: wimpy deer? Yeah yeah oh, exactly, the Great yeah, Bambino. Yeah. Okay, I know who he is.
1: Yeah, exactly. So first time since Babe Ruth that Uh, Someone either leading the league in home runs or tied with the lead in in home runs is also starting a game. So that was kind of the history behind this uh, start. And it just feels like every single time Otani takes the mound, some kind of history or some first, some kind of first (laughs) is happening for one reason or another. So let's get to the game. Obviously, like I mentioned, Otani was up uh, pitching, but he got a little help early uh, by Jared Walsh. Jared Walsh hits this ball into right field. That's a base hit. Otani in there with a slide. So obviously, like you saw, Otani scores one uh, nothing after the top of the first. Otani takes the mound, and a lot of times when Otani takes the mound, you know the control is always seems to be the topic: how he controls the ball, how he. Um, walks and all that stuff. And we were actually here watching the game um, that night and uh, got off to a little rough start.
2: Yeah. We're like, ah, here we go again. (laughs) Um, You know, previous start, a lot of walks, walking the bases loaded. Uh, Last time when he got into that first inning trouble, he's uh, able to pull himself out of it. But when you're down, what was it? 4.0. Yeah. 4.0 in the first inning. And, uh, you know, in years past, uh, we didn't have like that firepower to come back. So, and then he settled down Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Maintain control. A lot of chases. Uh, his chase rate was like through the roof. Right. Um. So you know he he rallied back and and the offense came alive.
1: Yeah. So Otani, like you mentioned, gets in a little trouble in the first. Um, he gets a single, a fly out, a walk. Again, that's kind of been his little bugaboo for a little while now. A Walk, a home run that puts the game. Bugaboo, you, yeah. you bugging me? You bugging you? Oh, okay. There you go. All right. He gives up a home run. It's a three run home run. Now it's three to one. He walks. He walks another guy, hits a guy, a sack fly. So at the end of the first, it's four to one, Texas, and he's at 29 pitches. I
2: think uh, Otani just feels like he needs to make things just more interesting. <laughs> like, I think it's just too boring out there for him. Like, right. he's, ah, man, I can just go out there and do it, but let's make it more interesting.
1: Right. So after the first yeah. 29 pitches, and remember in this game too, he's also batting. So at any point they take him out of that lineup. You lose the DH. Yeah, Madden huge risk there. And yeah. it actually it worked out. It ended up working and, out. And you brought that up
2: before the game. You're like, okay, the, the DH spot and I have to fill that. And you put yourself in a big hole, yep, having pitchers to you have to hit and things like that. And um, but it worked out and yeah. Madden looked like a genius. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, mad, 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 <laughs> mad Madden. Thing. I yeah, love exactly. it. I love the unorthodox approach for sure. So you like I mentioned, 29 pitches in the first inning. What were you thinking at that point? Oh, I, I'm thinking it's a two-inning game.
2: Uh, calling Chris Rodriguez in the third, right, you know, exactly. and uh, but we talked about that. Like his pitch count leveled off like really, really quick. quick. He had a he had a couple innings like less than five, and later and on it then. looked just like a normal pitch count. Actually, I think it was actually low.
1: Right after the, like a third inning, his pitch count was like at. 39 we're like oh wow that's awesome like yeah, now, he's like, almost manageable. averaging
2: like a little bit over like 10 12, yeah. yeah
1: 12 so that was great good yeah and so he ended up helping himself in the second uh with this play right runs here in the first inning
0: oh one pitch is rocked into right field that's damage and two of those runs come right back
1: so it's always nice when you're a pitcher and you can help your own cause, hitting a, a single that scores two, so now the scores three to four. A little more manageable as far as uh, you're not having to make a huge comeback. But I mean, that, you have something you see every day: a pitcher helping himself out like that.
2: Yeah, and he crushed it. What was the exit velo on that? Oh,
1: your favorite word. Velo. <laughs> it was like 113. Yeah, or it was like ridiculous, that. Yeah, right? Was, you know, it was it was good. It was good. And then right after that, uh, this guy comes up and ties the game.
0: And Trout sends the ball out to shallow left field. Coming on his doll, and he's able only to trap it. Scoring from second is Otani. What? We're not worthy! We're not worthy!
1: So, yeah, exactly. Trout ties the game now at four. And so, all that, you know, worry that we had after the first inning when it was four to one is gone completely. And we kind of, you mentioned it too the lineup, this is what you expected from the lineup that could score runs that quick.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh having those guys even deep in the lineup. Like right. I feel I, I feel like this is the deepest one through nine that we've had in recent memory. When you got someone like a glacius, mm-hmm. you know, up on the back end, you know, knocking some runs, going deep um and even with Stassi back too right and Stassi's putting up we'll probably get to it in a few but Stassi's putting up like JT you know real muto numbers who just got paid right exactly and we got a guy who's fairly similar and he's not he's not getting paid uh, we 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 swooped that dude up from the Astros a couple yeah. years ago for next to nothing
1: right a little trade here and there nothing too crazy but another guy that's been really helping out the lineup is Justin Upton, and then in the third, he does this. takes
0: things off in the Angels' half of the third. A high, deep drive to left, and the Angels have gone back out on top.
1: Exactly. Upton puts him up by one, but that lead didn't last quick, or that amount of a lead didn't last quick because Albert came up right after him and, and went back to back.
0: Albert sends a drive well-struck out to left center field, bidding for back-to-back! Wow, Albert, six hundred and sixty-seven career home runs. So yeah,
1: Albert hit six sixty-seven, and batting seventh. When you have Upton and I believe he's batting seventh, having Upton and then Poolholes batting six seven in your lineup. Granted, they're a little bit older. Granted, you're probably not going to get like the batting average and on base as high as like obviously like in their prime. But it's kind of shown that these guys can perform. Um, at that kind of lower level, but be a solid like sixth and seventh guy in the lineup.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you have someone like Justin Upton who is you know a perennial star. Um, and you're you're not even counting on him to produce. And no. then when he produces, you're like, yes, that's just like that, you know, that cherry on top. Exactly. And then you have pool holes who uh, they, um, I saw a comment today. I think it was from Madden who uh, said he's uh, he's like a Benjamin Button. Oh, God. so you're seeing I that go movie? Back. I, go back. I, I don't know. He said <laughs> it, right? He's a ben, He's like a Benjamin Button. He's getting better with age. Yeah. <laughs> he's starting to become younger again. And we were talking about that during the game. Like, yeah, he looked pretty solid. He hit that one deep and then he almost went deep again later. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And I like, I don't, I'm a, Do you know why? I don't know. I'm not an <laughs> Albert apologist in any contract year. Anyway. Yeah, contract, contract year. He's trying to get that one-year extension yeah, with exactly. uh, incentives. Somewhere, somewhere. Sure. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's contract year.
1: And it's funny though, too, because we kind of talked about it a little bit during the game. Is like, what if he does put like a legit twenty-five home run, eighty RBI type of season like together,
2: seventy-five average, right? Something I mean, like that. yeah. Or don't get crazy closer. here. <laughs> yeah,
1: something like that. Like, does someone take a flyer on him next year? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's gonna be the Angels. I doubt it's gonna be the Angels, but that that's something that'd be really interesting if he does continue to perform especially
2: when you have that 700 home run milestone oh yeah and whatever team so you're guaranteed that he's he's only getting within trouble heads yeah we're gonna yeah yeah, for sure
1: for for some team like i don't know if it's gonna be the angels but i think it's it's got to be the angels or cardinals i just don't see anything in between (laughs) he's he's doing it with like milwaukee (laughs) tampa bay (laughs) yes that'd be um miami because he's you know he's down (laughs) from there so anyways so the third inning still wasn't over yet when Mike Trout comes up with this RBI
0: hit. Mike Trout will be the next hitter. Swings at this pitch and lines this one over the head of the left fielder. Dahl, Angels will get one run. Another RBI hit for Mike Trout. He's-
1: so he doubles in Kurt Suzuki to make the score 7-4. to four. And, oh, by the way, he missed the last three games, but it did not look like it at yeah, all. He's, a,
2: he's a, like, like Texas walker. Mr. Ranger kind of thing man <laughs> He crushes the Rangers we saw the stats If you're watching any of the games yep. They kept on throwing him up there he's like basically Batting 500 lifetime against this team Especially this year he's crushing it uh, I think it's most home runs against Like a Single Texas opponent, team Like oh, in yeah. modern baseball history Something like When that, you yeah. combine like the Rangers and the Senators yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that's together Like he's right up there I think with uh, Reggie Jackson so um, And you saw that ball Talk about exit velo. There you go, dude. Chris is gonna come around on that. I, dude, I hate by, the velo. By, by, Where by the
1: end of by the end of the season, Chris hate, is gonna use I hate the velo. Like I hate all that
2: stuff, but then, um, because I i saw that ball, I'm like, why doesn't he, you know, why didn't he get to second, or, or what was it? Like, he didn't, you know, yeah, he's all that ball, like, was a was so rocket, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Gooby goes on and he goes. Uh, extra Velo, there's
1: no way. He can, yeah, he like, got back ah, on too quick. God, yep, exactly. Whatever. Me and Gooby on the on the same way. I know. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So that all happened um, in the third inning. So at the end of the third, Angels are now up seven to four, and that was a really quick turn uh, from the four to one deficit they had in the first inning. It Just it seemed like it happened really quick, but uh, the bats were firing on all cylinders. Again, Trout was back, and he was performing. But like you mentioned, Otani would end up settling down after that rough first inning. He ended up going five innings pitch, uh, only getting him three hits, four earned runs. Again, that's all in the first inning. Um, two walks, again, first inning, end up striking out nine. His pitch count was 75, so you thought he would have a, gone a little bit longer in, in the outing. But reports came out afterwards that I guess they used, quote-unquote, quote, quote, a hot spot started to develop on his finger. And obviously with the blister issues, didn't want to push that too far. So – uh, took him out after five, but was in line for the win. And obviously he got his first win since uh, like early 2019, which is pretty crazy when you think about it.
2: Yeah, I don't remember this, but um, Nolan Ryan threw over like 220 pitches in a start and went like 12, 13 innings. So yeah, I have no compassion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to find there's a lot of those kind of... Uh, it's
2: modern day baseball,
1: a lot of Nolan Ryan type yeah. of, well, Nolan you did know, this back uh, in the day uh, kind of deal. So yeah, so he went five innings good outing something you can definitely build on it just seems like after that first inning he settled down now this not even give him you know that first inning because a better team might not you know give up seven and bring you back oh the yeah game for kind sure so otani was done after that uh but the angels were not done scoring after that when you have walsh coming
0: up in the sixth here's jared walsh well hit the center field garcia back and he'll play it off a hop otani comes in to score
1: and Walsh again. We were talking about you know Pujols and and Upton Iglesias. Walsh is you know sneaky. We talked to, or I talked to some people that are more like baseball fans in general, not necessarily uh, Angel fans. And he's still not kind of like on their radar. But Angel fans know what this guy did at the end of last season, and it seems like to really starting to bleed over this year. And and that does again add so much depth to this lineup that's it's pretty crazy. Yeah,
2: I feel like if you went over to the East Coast and you did like a Jay Leno kind of like street walking <laughs> Walker, segment yeah. where but you went outside like a baseball stadium and you said, "Hey, y'all know Jared Walsh?" and no idea, right? Well,
1: I feel like I feel like they say you ask them, "Who are the, who's the Angels, you know, first baseman?" and they're all Albert Pujols for sure. Yeah, and then the only reason really why Albert has been playing so much first base is because Walsh is out in right field. Yeah. If if you know if that outfield is completely healthy and Dexter Fowler never has the injury he had, you know, you might not be seeing pools so that much, which when you think about it's pretty crazy because he is doing really good this yeah, year. Yeah, so, so it might be
2: actually a blessing.
1: In disguise. Um, and and Walsh, as far as the games I've seen, and I've pretty much seen all but maybe like one or two games, Walsh hasn't had like a defensive blunder or anything like that that absolutely stands out.
2: Now nah, look at it. I hate to say it, but if Joe. you look at Joe Adele and you look at Jared Walsh, I mean, Jared Walsh has been pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Um, making all the, the, and, making the routine plays. Yeah, making all the routine plays. that's the biggest thing, making
1: the routine plays and getting the routine outs and not, you know. You know obviously there's yeah, his, his
2: throwing arm's decent. right? Um, there's been a few plays of the play just not really contested. But, right.
1: but yeah, making the, the, the standard plays, you know, gets underneath the ball, makes the out. Cuts off a ball from going to the to the uh, to the wall. So now you're holding him to a single kind of deal. He's making those traditional plays, and yeah, he's not going to wow you with any his speed or anything like that. But he's but he's doing a good enough job in right where you know Albert can get some first base at-bats and you're not going to lose a bat. And we're talking about your, like
2: Walsh, how he kind of was like a rising star that nobody really counted on. When right. you look at all the first, like all the prospects, you had like a thice and Ward for a
1: little bit. Ward and I know he moved away from first base, but yeah, a lot of, of was, those guys, like those bit.
2: were, they're supposed to be the, you know, build this like a first baseman of the future. And, and then Walsh just kind of slipped in there. And I think he kind of got on the, on the track with that kind of two way ability yeah, but um, he stopped. I mean And it's and that's not gonna probably happen again. No, because he
1: stopped last year because of a shoulder injury. So they said, Okay, we're just gonna let you bat and focus on that. So mm-hmm. that might have been, and even too, in the last series against Houston, they had him on um like the that YouTube. I don't know, I didn't like that YouTube thing, but they had him like pregame on that YouTube uh game and they they talked to him about it, and that's one of the things they brought up was you know, are we gonna see you pitch again? And he even says, like, eh, I seriously doubt <laughs> it. If he he was never that guy like Otani. Otani, you have big expectations pitching wise out no. of him, and that was never the deal with 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 Walsh. It was always going to be a guy that had like mopped up duty or low leverage guys that can just eat up innings out of the bullpen. It was never like he's going to be the closer yeah. or anything like that. So, you know, Walsh two way two way playing days I think are done. But um, offensively, it seemed like to help him. Yeah. So obviously with the end of with the September uh, last year uh, him is absolutely blowing up. So we're still not done yet with this game because Iglesias ends up getting his second home run as an Angel uh late in the game.
0: Off in the 7th inning for the Angels. Next delivery this is hit well and lifted deep out into left center field and it is out of here right into the Angels bullpen in left center field. Third homer of the night for the Angels. So yeah, second home
1: run of the year for Iglesias, third home run of that night uh, for the Angels, and it just seems like the offense was absolutely rolling. Like I mentioned, Trout first game back in three days, he goes four for five, two RBIs and a double, um, and the Angels win this rather easily, nine to four. Um, honestly, was one of the better games offensively that I've seen, and, and you know yeah. probably since that Minnesota game where you had the Upton grand slam and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, it was just it was just a complete game yeah You're doing you know every everybody down, everybody was open, contributing
1: because yeah. you look at that if you get past that first inning it's an absolute shutout they don't get anything yeah so yeah i think you know the bullpen did great otani settled down you got your offensive production uh, great win again by the angels out in arlington on monday so now we roll over to tuesday and tuesday is a kind of a whole different story for a lot of different reasons um Jose Quintana was on the mound after a good start um, against um, Texas at home. So he's facing them again on the 20th. Uh, last time he faced him was on the 21st. And so you're kind of hoping he'll be able to duplicate it. He got in like five innings, only gave up like one or two runs. So it was a good outing. Um, not great, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to probably talk about the umpiring behind home plate in this game. Um, there was a – I forgot what Twitter account – raise these umpires missed calls was like 80 something percent like 84 percent, and then the league average is 96 or 94 something higher like that but the consistency level that he was calling those bad calls was up to like 96 98 so it was almost like yeah he was bad but he was consistently bad and the 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 rangers definitely took advantage of it that game
2: yeah and as As an MLB player, which I know nothing about, (laughs) (laughs) but at a lower level, if you know the guy and you start to see a pattern, you know, the guy's calling the outside strike, then you're going to start, you need to start swinging at that and you know, that zone expanded. And so that's something that you need to make that adjustment, especially if they're consistent. It even gets worse if you're just terrible and you're inconsistent. So, Hey, I don't know.
1: Yeah. But that's the thing. He was super consistent. But it just seemed like the Angels pitchers couldn't take advantage of it because it, it did seem to me watching that game that the Rangers knew it. They would take advantage of it. They would throw the ball outside, and it was like a ball, a ball and a half outside. But he would get the called strike. And now, as a as a batter, you're thinking to yourself, it has a huge strike, so I have to swing at that. So now you have a lot of pitches that are being rolled over or just not well, not a lot of contact. But when the Angels came with the pitch, it honestly didn't seem like they. We're even trying to hit that like outside edge and put the guys down 0-1. And where the Angels were consistently down 0-1, it seemed like because they, they took advantage of that wide strike zone. The Angels didn't. But Jose Quintana would give up a home run the first, home run the third, RBI single in the fourth, and he would be done after three and uh three and a third, giving up six hits, five run runs, only two strikeouts. But like I think the biggest the biggest thing in this game to me was the offense not producing. You get hits, but that's about it. They were 2-for-11 with runners in scoring position, and had nine left on base. holes with the only RBI in the game. So, again, a lot of people complained about the umpires, and I totally agree with it because I, I was watching the game, but at the end of the day, it was just the Rangers knew how to take advantage of that situation and it just did not seem like the Angels pitchers either thought about maybe expanding the strike zone a little bit because, I mean, when they miss, they miss, you know, in the middle of the strike zone so i mean you can't it doesn't matter what your your zone is uh if you miss in the middle of the strike zone bad things happen we
2: just throw strikes right so you know the rangers uh feasted on that because you know they're out of the zone that's yeah yeah.
1: i mean that worked out for the rangers (laughs) not so much the angels so angels end up dropping this tuesday game six to one so now you have to win uh what was it wednesday to get a series win and again when you're on the road that's that's what you need. You need at least a split or a series win. And with a three game series, obviously a split wasn't going to happen, but the good news is, or at least you thought was the good news is Alex Cobb was on the mound because he had a bad outing last time, but you kind of figured kind of like Bundy, at least this was what I thought going in being like Bundy and rebounding and having a good start. So you had Alex Cobb on the mound Wednesday against the Rangers. Um, He would get in some early or he would get some early help uh, from Rendon who, had struggled since his return, but it seems he got out of like a I think it was a 0 for fourteen slump up to this point, and he does this
0: three and one to Rendon. He shoots that into right field. It's going to bring in at least one, a second run being waved around. Throw on Walsh is not in time. It's two nothing Angels.
1: So exactly, uh, Rendon two RBI single. Angels are up zero after the bottom of or the top of the first. Sorry. Um, and you're thinking, okay, cool, here comes his offense. The, the the different home plate umpire, he's calling a better zone. These guys are actually getting, being able to get chances to hit. Um, and then Iglesias, Iglesias ends up doing some more damage.
0: And uh, Going for a strike tonight. And that one's lined into left. wall. scores. They're going to wave Rendon around. Throw to the plate. is not in time.
1: So you're thinking, okay, cool, 4-0 after the top of the first. Offense is clicking again. You're thinking you're going to be able to, you know, add on to this, uh, this lead. Not so much. <laughs> um, Cobb would give up one in the first off a soft contact. And granted, Cobb did give up a lot of soft contact on the on on his hits. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like the Angels have been bitten by that a lot this year so far. It's soft contact in the gaps or soft contact in front of the outfield. Yeah, I left. forgot who
2: said it, it was uh, some MLB great. I want to say Yogi Berra, but. They say you know, like something. You say hit them where they ain't,
1: and that's exactly. what that's pretty much the, like Angels, you yeah. have a
2: shift. Um, you know, nobody on the left side, and then you hit a ball to the left. You know, yeah, that would have been easily caught by third or short, and then Rendon has to go out. Almost makes a remarkable play, but you know, stuff like that. So I don't. I I wouldn't blame Cobb completely. And yeah, and I heard Cobb's interview, um, post game interview. And you know, obviously, he's a competitor. He's the one to yeah. get taken out, but he understood it and he respects Joe's decision. And he he kind of talked about like getting into it. Like if he didn't pull him, are we going to win that game?
1: Right, exactly. Because even though it was you're up four to zero going into the bottom, he did give up the one, and then in the second, Angels, you know, didn't add anything on the top. In the bottom of the second, uh, he gets in some more trouble, gives up four hits, including a double, and even two. It, Except for that double, again, all soft contact, and now you're looking at a, th- a four to three game after two, and with a day off today, as we're recording Thursday, you know what do you do? You you know you're going to have that extra day. That's the rest of bullpen or rest, you know, everybody, and for that matter, um, Joe makes a quick switch. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, he, Joe makes um, the mad scientist. I guess going back to the first yeah, game he, of the series, I mean, I think he just knew Cobb didn't
2: have it, and uh, I think Cobb said it. He said his uh, splitter wasn't moving yeah. i think it wasn't was it, I
1: don't want to say it wasn't
2: splitting <laughs> but it was just moving like left to right instead of like top to bottom um, yeah. and it was just kind of hanging up there and they were all over it so um it wasn't like a i wouldn't say it was like a bad performance like just, ah, he got was, he I, didn't was, get rocked right you know like oh my gosh but joe just like you know when your guys fly and going back right. he knows alex cobb a little bit more than most because of the time yeah so i think he's just like this isn't him uh, let's get him out um Put in c rod and yeah, and that's and it. as much as Alex Cobb doesn't want
1: to, you know, come he out doesn't want to
2: say it, but like if he didn't, if he didn't make that,
1: who knows what would happen exactly?
2: Yeah, we lost that one, so
1: yeah. So Cobb goes two innings, pitch six hits, three earned runs, two strikeouts, and like we mentioned, pretty much besides that double, um, he gave up a double in the first and double in the third. but besides those two pitches. Everything was pretty soft and everything was yeah, and then, not
2: bad. And then, kind of on the other side of the of things, uh, Texas left their starter in. Yeah. Who gave up more runs Four. than Carr, looked terrible.
1: And he settled in. I think he won in the like first six, inning. Six, seven. Yeah, innings, he
2: settled yeah. in. Um, was it Danny? Uh, I forgot what his last name is. Yeah, Dunning or something. Danny like Dunning, yeah. uh, former first round pick. Uh, they recently acquired by the Rangers, but yeah, he settled down, looked pretty good. But it's funny, he actually outlasted Cobb. Right,
1: you with, would think with, with the more first runs, inning, with, right? with the first inning going the way yeah. it was, you thought it was going to be the absolute yeah, opposite. Sure. So you kind of mentioned it. Chris Rodriguez, fan of the podcast, comes in in the third, and again, he does he great. He 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 goes three and a third, giving up one hit, one walk, only one strikeouts, only one dollar for the Dodgers Skyx Foundation. But I'm sure he'll add to that later on uh, this weekend. But like I mentioned, three and a third, his career high, obviously his small career, but career high um lengthwise, They, they kind of stretched him out, seems like a little bit more of this, but um, another friend of the podcast, Red Bollinger, wrote in, that, in his piece for that night, he's turning into the ace of that bullpen really quickly.
2: Yeah, and you think about it like, yeah, it would have been nice to see him go in there and K like nine or something, in right. three innings, right? That's pretty sexy, but – when you look at the ability to get people out, get the ground yep. balls and stuff, that's actually more impressive than Keep the strikes out. Because when you you're not that. even on, when you're not like completely on, on, right. you're you're still getting people out, and exactly. that's what you want to see. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible, Angel fans. You should be excited about this guy. I feel like um, this is a starter of the future, and I think he will have a starting role by the end of the season.
1: Ooh, by the end of yeah, the season, you can book that wow, okay, we'll, we'll, re, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll reevaluate, we'll re-evaluate it, and if it's true, we'll replay it, and if it's not true, we'll just absolutely forget we'll it. We'll act about.
2: like this didn't exist, and people will forget anyways.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I kind of think we'll do it next year, but, I mean, again, at the end of this year, if they feel comfortable with him, um, I do think they do need to get him around that 100, 125 innings pitch total to kind of stretch him out. As to be a starter like long term. Yeah,
2: I will say uh, the argument against it is he just hasn't pitched a yeah. lot the last few years due to, to injury, right. trying to rehab last year, So the last was, three so.
1: seasons in minor leagues, he has a total of like 72 innings pitched. Yeah. So obviously he doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm. A guy coming out of high school, it'd be, it might be different too if he was a college guy that pitched a lot in college and maybe just had bad luck in the pros, you would think, okay, the arm has done that kind of work, but it hasn't because he's coming from out of high school. So that's why I'm, I'm not sure if he'll start at the end of the year, but I do think they need to get his pitch, uh, his innings up to like 100, 125, somewhere around there by the end of the year. So you feel more comfortable for him starting next year in 2022. And yeah, that'd and, be crazy. Kind of like
2: the role he jumped into yesterday is it's something that when you're coming in, in the second inning, you're usually down. Yeah. Like usually you're usually lit. like yeah, usually getting lit. Yeah. lit up. There's like eight in the first. You know, you're almost down ten, oh, so we're just a we're an innings eater at that point. Right. And you just throw in whoever, like, you know, long relief. But no, he came in he did really in a well. in a you know high leverage situation and pretty and then picked up his what second win?
1: Yeah, his second win of the year. Um actually a second it's gonna, is that a team leader? Yeah, right. It feels like <laughs> it. He might be like in the top think, three for sure. I think I think he's yeah up there. But um his second win, his second appearance. Uh again, when a three and a third rest of the bullpen did great they went obviously three and two thirds only get up one hit three strikeouts and then myers comes in for the hold in the eighth and then iglesias comes in for the save in the ninth and that's exactly how you want to play it out yeah. you know for the season for sure yeah so that was that game angels win obviously four to three after that first like two innings who would have thought the game would have ended four to three because i've i was all, all that offense, offense and i think like that man. but something to mention too before this game um uh stasi did get activated so now he's back in the lineup, back behind home plate. So again, you're now you're slowly getting this team healthy at the right time because uh, Mariners are coming, uh, or they're going up to the Seattle, and then when they come back, they have Tampa Bay and L.A. in the in one week, and that's going to be a really good. Well, even Seattle too is going to be a really good test for the Angels, and we yeah. can see where this team uh, strengths are and weaknesses are against teams like that because obviously. Seattle second place right now. I think they're a half a game they won today. They're a half a game up on the Angels for second place uh, in the division, but you have the Rays and the Dodgers who a lot of people, if not everybody has picked both of them to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So, again, that was the the series winning victory 5 to 3 in Arlington against the Texas Rangers and, you know, obviously they're going to be up in Seattle starting a three-game series on Friday and we have we'll, we'll preview that a little bit later with a special guest, but We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we'll have the Curators Chronicle. So hold on. This weekend, there's a ton of sports action as the NFL draft and the first leg of the Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby, are back. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as your team preps for their playoff run. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Your outdoor experience could be better—clearly better. Canon better. sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity using japan optics kanon lenses are clearer lighter and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch with frames handcrafted in italy kanon sunglasses elevate your experience outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination use the exclusive code kanon15 at kanon.com to receive 15 percent off your first pair that's k-a-e-n-o-n-c-a-s-t-1-5 kanon clearly better Let's go!
2: Is a truly a beautiful day for a ball game, except for the angels are off today. It's
1: warm, too. It's warm, yeah, it's, warm it's starting to feel
2: like springs and uh, summer's approaching, right? But it's the curator here with another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. As you know, we look at different uh, memorabilia, uh, things that add to the absolute fandom of the greatest team in MLB hey. with one championship. <laughs> it's okay, uh, we still uh. Will stand firmly on that on that fact, but today we feature something that's a little bit different. And um, one thing that we've always prided ourselves uh, in Halo Haven and the All Angels podcast is that we like the fan sided approach. We like things that are created; they're organic. Um, one of that, a kind kind of stuff. Yeah, kind of stuff that you can't go buy at the gift shop. It's not mass produced in China. It's something that's truly original and we like being part of that community, building partnerships and um and doing collaborations and whatever may be. And so um we were blown away by something that was presented to us that kind of came out of the blue. Uh we we made a mention almost a year ago and it was kind of like, hey, you know, you should do this, and and um and then fast forward a year later, uh someone hit us up yeah. and said they had kind of a fan creation and a tribute. And so we met up with someone known as the baseball artist. His name is Jose Seja, and he came over to the Haven Monday night and I, we hung yeah, out, Monday. kind of talked baseball for a while, but we knew uh, a presentation of a gift, which is incredible. I never thought we'd be in that position where people were presenting a gift to us. And to be fair,
1: he mentioned it. And he's like, yeah, I should mention uh, I have something to give you guys. That's why I want to come over. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: and so we were trying to figure out like a time to meet up. And then so he drove all the way out from Santa Ana on a Monday night. And so we really appreciate that. And beyond that, uh, this guy has true talent. And what he does is he... Uh, creates tribute balls. So it doesn't always have to be a major league player, but it could be someone like your dad for Father's Day or something like that. But he uh, hand draws. Yeah. Sketches baseballs. And it is incredible, as you're going to see in just a moment. And so we were just blown away by the, his talent. And he's done some collaborations with professional baseball players, just to name a few. I know he's done like a Jaime Berea, a Kenan Middleton. He's also done a Fergie Jenkins Hall of Famer. He's done quite and, a bit. Yeah, so it's just the list goes on and on. And so we're so honored that he was able to – um, give us this ball in tribute to Halo Haven, the All Angels podcast, and more importantly, in memory of our uh, late friend and um, and brother, Jonathan Magdaleno. So he came over here. He pre- presented this ball. We were just, I don't know about you. I was like, I knew, I knew what was coming, but I didn't know what was coming right. until you actually saw it and felt it. And so if you're watching online, you're gonna see that ball right there. Yeah, we're on and, YouTube and look our, how Facebook and it's, our Twitter—it's uh, incredible the likeness and the detail yeah. that he put in to this baseball. And so he takes commissions. Uh, he's pretty popular, so it takes a little while. But if you go to www.thebaseballartist.com, he can. He's also on Instagram,
1: Facebook, Twitter, yeah, all that ba- good stuff. The baseball artist on Instagram. Um, from there again he'll have his website link there you can dm directly from there and to talk about what you want what you're interested in he can give you a price i'm not going to sit here and say that we know exactly the price because i don't want to be like oh well they told me it was this much so um use he, promo code yeah like, we don't have that yet but definitely give him a look if you're interested definitely reach out to him see what he can do uh i know he because he kind of mentioned it here he is getting kind of bombarded with a lot of requests right now so the wait is a little bit long, but just like anything in life, if you're willing to spend a little extra, you can get a little rush order on it. That's for sure. Yeah, and just
2: looking around, like, you know, what's in the garage and things like that, like signatures of this player and that player. Like, that stuff's cool, but there's nothing as meaningful as this. And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's uh, it's just like a one-of-a-kind piece, and I just think that's what it's all about. So, if you have a loved one, or if you have a favorite player, whatever it may be,
1: um, he's he's your guy. Oh, absolutely. And then, too, um, go on his Instagram, he has pictures of all the stuff he's done. Uh, like you mentioned, he's done uh, baseball players from different teams. He's done family. He's done even with Alex Curry. She had a dog that passed away. They even put a family pet on there. So I, pretty much anything you can think of, anything you have an actual picture of, he can throw it on a baseball and and the work. I mean, you can see it. Again, we're on our YouTube, our Facebook, and our Twitter. Or, but – even the photos from there don't do it justice because we saw a lot of his work before he came over and we kind of understood what he did. But when he actually gave us the ball and we're actually kind of look over it, it's like it, you have to kind of look over it two or three times because each time you do um, there's another like detail that you did not see the first time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, from- like the ink pops. Yeah. And the ink,
1: like when we took the case off, it was just
2: like, whoa, the ink yeah. is there. So yeah, this guy's incredible. Uh he also um I think he thought from like our post that John was a big periwinkle uh, fan of the periwinkle, the Disney era, which he was totally not. So yeah. if you're a listener, funny. if
1: you listen to this podcast for a while, you you know, you know that. Know that. Right? And, then, and then and what I told him too, it's perfect because for the podcast listeners and the Halo Haven followers. You know this about John. So it's kind of like an inside joke between us. It's like an inside joke between our followers and our listeners. So I told him, I was like, every time I see that thing now, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little chuckle because the fact that he's in a periwinkle uniform and a periwinkle hat. Um, he would never have done that, and the fact that we got him now, the, he's immortalized
2: on a ball that's gonna always be here, looking for like a rotating case to go. Yeah, around, exactly. But it's gonna be periwinkled out.
1: Yeah, and and, and <laughs> his his wife saw that and she thought it was funny too that he because yeah. she obviously knew his uh, quote unquote uh, love affection with periwinkle, and it just actually worked out great. And again, check him out at the baseball artist on Instagram. The, uh, www.baseballart the baseball but all that stuff can, you can find on his Instagram check it out uh, like yeah uh,
2: this guy's about to blow up right and, and so, he's like you're, you're gonna get in on the early end whatever the fee is it's completely worth it you gotta there's nothing you can you can't pr- a price like on you know like hand drawn skill well, like you mentioned it's one of a kind set. it's one and of like a kind. in yeah. the hours he must have put in right or incredible it's yeah. an incredible amount of time so it's i think it's a steal um but check him out and to follow him exactly follow the Give journey, him like, get yep. something commissioned be patient and uh add to your collection
1: yeah definitely and, one of a kind definitely something that you will want to put in a case and have it you know front and center wherever it is whether it's in a man cave like this or your front room living room you know wherever uh it's definitely one of a kind so definitely give him a shout out again that's at the baseball artist on instagram he has all his information there uh definitely check it out
2: but if you are watching uh live uh yes this is a palm springs angel (laughs) actual game worn uh jersey if you're i think you're probably wondering that but um wearing a hat that accompanies it but the ps with the palm tree uh classic um, as they come exactly my uh california the california angels minor league affiliate for many of years from the early 80s through early 90s so tim salmon all those guys came through palm springs right, a lot of O2, and, yeah like, and also the kind of spring guys. training uh site uh for many years so let me, until they moved to tempe I'm about
1: to say let me ask you this so when they were in palm springs and they had a spring training there. Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of teams around them then, right?
2: No, they had to travel from Arizona. Or from Palm so like, Springs to Arizona? Or to Palm Springs to Arizona. So, like, a team like – I think the Giants were out in uh, – what's way out there? What's past Tombstone?
1: Oh, like Tucson or something? Like, that?
2: like Tucson, right? Tucson Giants were a team. So, you have to go from Tucson – all the way to Palm Springs just to play a spring training game. So sounds like the great so league. like yeah, it sounds it sounds absolutely terrible and that's why they made that transition out to Arizona. But spring training in the old days, which I never got to enjoy or be a part of or partake in, um, it was so relaxed. Like you could just right. walk up from what I heard and you see like someone like Nolan Ryan or whoever. And it was just so casual and it's like, Oh, here's a bat. <laughs> right. Here's this, the Tokyo giants came and scrimmaged and they're O. Oh, so the that's probably one of the things you just got to out in, stuff, yeah. And it was super chill. And then we, now we think super spring training is like still that. And it's become so much more corporate. In the, last, like, still, in the last like three years. It I still has like, maintained that for the I most part.
3: It, it,
1: the last three years it has because i remember yeah. our first time out there as halo haven um even before we started the podcast with johnny uh it was it was like that i felt like you had that feel to it where it was like real intimate and you can go up to players something like that and then you can gradually start seeing yeah. the 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 tickets the tickets go the up game, yeah. the prices for you know beer and, access and, right the, so yeah. um but that's not going to stop us from going next year. So we'll be right out there in Tempe uh, spring training in 2021. You can book it. So that is another edition as I get his music queued up of the Curators Chronicles. Let's go. bad. up.
0: We're taking the afternoon off. It's a beautiful day for a ball game.
1: For a ball game too. So obviously, like we mentioned earlier, the Angels are heading up to Seattle to play the Mariners. And this could be a really good matchup because the Mariners are doing really good. They're kind of slowed down a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. And I was lucky enough to catch up with one third of the Sunday League, the podcast. Uh, DH, he's a Seattle Mariners fan. So I brought him on to talk Seattle Mariners because obviously he's going to know a lot more than I would um, just reading on him for like 24 hours. So um, he's our special guest for previewing the Seattle Mariners. And here's the interview. The talk Seattle Mariners Angels open up a three game series this weekend. Is DH one third of the Sunday League the podcast trio? Um, obviously repping the Ken Griffey hat, love it, and the Sunday League podcast shirt. Um, but you're a Seattle Mariners fan out of the three of you, so I figured you were the perfect guy to have on
3: with this series coming up. How you doing? Dude, man, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a pleasure and honor, honestly, even though you (laughs) guys are rivals. Right. Uh, There you go. But, but, you know, hey, man, uh, I I was happy to do it. And anytime I get a chance to talk Mariners, then I'm all for it. So uh, shout out to you guys, man. And shout out to all those Angels fans out there. I mean, (laughs) I'm always at Angel Stadium being a SoCal guy myself. Right. And, uh, you know, it's nothing but fun you know fun rivalry i don't even know if the mariners have a rivalry with the angels do you consider it a rivalry at all i honestly would consider
1: and it's funny too because rube another guy that's on the podcast with you is a dodger fan and i would actually even consider seattle more of a rival than than a Dodgers, just because it's strictly the fact that they play more it means more in division than the dodger dodgers is like a fan dodger angels is more of a fan rivalry i believe than an actual on-the-field rivalry, but... The baseball
3: rivalry, yeah. Yeah,
1: if I had to rank the Angels rivalry, I would probably say, because of everything that happened, probably Houston, even though the Houston hasn't been in the AL that long, but, like, Oakland's right up there. I think it's probably, like, one of their top rivals just because it always seems like the angels have to go through them or, or the, the Oakland is mm-hmm. trying to go through them. But yeah, def- definitely on the list. Seattle is because like I mentioned, you, you know, you play a team 16, oh. 19 times or whatever. You're going to kind of just build that naturally and stuff like that. But well, Mariners haven't been
3: very good for very long to have a rivalry with anybody, but this is the year.
1: Yes. Right. I'm sure you echo the the voice of a lot of uh Mariners fans this year and let's yeah. talk to it. Talk about them off to a hot start. I mean, they were in first place for a really long while until, um, you know, obviously Oakland started uh, heating up. What was working good for them? What is something that maybe even surprised you coming into the season?
3: Uh, the pitching staff, especially the bullpen, has kind of really held it down. I figured the offense was going to struggle a little bit here and there. I mean, you're definitely going to get some offense out of Mitch Haniger, you know, especially since he's fully healthy now and going back to hopefully his pre-2019 version. And uh, Ty France is a guy that they picked up from San Diego, but it's not necessarily because he wasn't a good player in San Diego, um, but they just didn't have a a spot for him. And considering that they signed Manny Machado to play third base, that was Ty France's position. And you know they tried putting him in different spots on the field, and well, they had a chance to pick up Austin Nola, our catcher, and, um, and they made a move for him. And so they gave us Ty France, and he's got a really solid bat. So just... As a mariners fan because i follow that team i knew ty france was, was going to be a solid bat and but aside from him aside from hanniger and aside from kyle seager it's been it's been pretty inconsistent so it's it's about what i expected from the offense but the pitching staff the bullpen has been a really nice surprise and we got a guy that you might be a little familiar with yourself <laughs> by the name of Keenan middleton yep. yep yep this guy is, has no very Mid to upper nineties, doing really, really well well for us. He's been a nice piece for us, and I mean, Kendall Graveman's another guy that we got, um, you know, from Oakland, but a good guy that you know throws heat at the back end of the bullpen. And Rafael Monte- Montero from the Rangers, another guy that throws heat. And you know, we're just taking all these little pieces from <laughs> all the different teams in our division and putting together our own little ALS Super Bullpen, and right, so and he- that's been working out real nice.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Middleton and, you know, obviously with the angels came up with the angels. Um, yeah. I think he kind of soured a little bit with the new, re- uh, new regime that came in a couple of uh-huh. years ago, coming off Tommy John. So I honestly thought what he needed was a fresh start somewhere and that being close to home and being an a Oregon guy playing up in mm-hmm. Washington is probably uh, exactly what he needed. So talking about starters and pitching, one of the acquisitions you guys got this off season um, to come back to Seattle was uh, paxton and obviously he's done how is that pigeon rotation looking as a whole um
3: with some of these injuries that are now popping up so um you know you kind of figure that the big maple was gonna take a spot in that rotation and uh you kind of plan for those types of things hopefully when you have that six man rotation and so he goes down all right well next man up you got nick margaviches who's kind of been a long man in the road in the bullpen and now you have him filling that spot but His first start, filling in for Big Maple, he goes down with a shoulder injury. And so Mariners are going to stick with it. They're going to stick with the six-man rotation. They believe it's the key to success. It's the key to get them out of the cellar in the AL West. And um, they've got some good, really nice pieces that they've gotten from uh, various trades. Um, Marco Gonzalez is somebody they got from the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's been holding down the top end of the rotation, uh, opening day starter, uh, you've also got, uh, uh, Justin Dunn that you got from the New York Mets along with Jared Kalanick. When they traded Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, uh, he started today, uh, is holding Houston down. In fact, uh, yeah. Manderson on top bottom eight. Five three. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, ja- Justin Dunn is a nice piece. They got justice Sheffield from the Yankees get this for James Paxton who then they end up getting him back. It's like a a Chapman thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Justice Sheffield has been working out real nice. He's been a, you know, top prospect type of starter. And a lot of these guys that the Mariners have are those types of players. You know, they're top prospects and um, they're, they're getting their shot with Seattle. This is the year that they, you know, bring in uh, a lot of that, that young talent that they've, that they've had brewing in the minor leagues. Kalanick is another guy that they still have to bring up. And, um, I think he's going to slot in real nice when it's time for him to come up. But as far as the rotation goes, for now it's going to be that six-man rotation, and the series starts on Friday. Correct. And the way that I I kind of had it, had it set up is um, just kind of looking at their normal rotation. First guy you would expect to see would be Chris Flexen, and Flexen's a the guy they got from Korea, or when he he was pitching in in Korea, uh, in the KBO. So now he just came back to the to the states. And uh shut the Red Sox down for a solid seven innings of one run ball. Uh I want to say that was on Saturday. Um and then uh you'll probably see on Saturday, the when the Mariners play the Angels on Saturday, you're gonna see either Robert Duggar or LJ Newsome. Robert Duggar is a guy they called up from the minor leagues, but He's uh, he's a bit unproven, you know. He's he's somebody who's he's been a starter in the in the in the minors, and he's kind of come up and filled a long man spot in the bullpen. So yeah. he might he might be the starter for Saturday or LJ Newsom, who threw six shutout innings out of the bullpen against the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, so that might be the uh, the high scoring game with uh, Canning uh, Griffin Canning going on Saturday, and he's had troubles um, getting out of the first couple innings. It seems like with him. He might have a hard first inning, but if he can get through those first two innings, and he settles down. But it's just getting through those first couple innings that have really hurt him um, so far this year. And then you have Andrew Haney going on Friday, um, has turned around the last three starts. And ever since moving to the uh, first base side of the rubber as a lefty, he's able now to kind of control his fastball a little bit better and, and get in on uh, batter's hands. And he's kind of turned the page. And so on Sunday, the getaway game for you guys and us uh, – Dylan Bundy, the Angels, you know, frontline starter, opening day starter, has been really been able to hold it down this season, except for one best start, and he will probably be going up against.
3: He is probably going to go up against Justice Sheffield on okay. Sunday. So if it works out, I think the only question mark is going to be Saturday, and it. I think it's probably going to be L.J. Newsome, in my opinion. He threw he threw two innings on against the Red Sox on. Thursday and then another no I'm sorry on Friday through another four innings against the Red Sox on Sunday. So he would be lined up to be starting on 6 days of rest or on the 6th day actually if they end up going with him. So he's uh, he's somebody to look out for but again, you know, with with Seattle their offense, it doesn't matter who you're throwing up there. You just got to shut down Haniger, France, and Seeger. Those are three and, guys that are those are damaged. the damage Yep. And Kyle Lewis is coming back from his injury and he still hasn't caught fire just yet. Eventually he will, but yeah, you get through those guys right now those are the main ones that are holding down our lineup.
1: Yeah. And Seattle just seems to have a lot of these young guys. If you heard about for a while, you know, especially being in the AL West, you kind of hear about, and you see a lot of the minor league guys playing against the angels, minor league guys, especially here in Southern California. And now you're starting to see them pop up or getting on the brink of popping up. Um, long-term future for these guys, you know, obviously trades and all that stuff can happen after at any point. And so some of these guys obviously might not even break in with the Seattle Mariners, but kind of, you know, how do you, how do you see them, you know, two years from now, three years from now?
3: Oh, well, I mean, you got Jared Kellen, like I was saying, who's still in the minor leagues. And I think he's somebody that you would see coming up uh, at some point this year, probably, if not by September, then probably before September. Uh, another guy that you have is their catcher Cal Raleigh, who's already known for his defense and his bat's starting to come around a little bit. So I think with those guys right there, uh, their lineup is going to be in good hands. And even if they keep Mitch Haniger, you know, Mitch Haniger is somebody that they talked about how if the Mariners struggle, then he's somebody that they could trade uh for more prospects down the road um but i think he's somebody that you know you would want to build around and i don't i don't want to see him go as a mariners fan but you know i understand the business side of things like that but he's somebody that i think mariners would be smart to keep around and if they're doing really well then by the all-star break or by the trading deadline then i see them making pieces or making moves to add pieces not to subtract um, is you know as far as their start, I, I don't know if it's sustainable right now. I, I see a lot of good things out of their pitching, but aside from the offense, uh, you know those three guys that I mentioned earlier—Hanniger, Francis, Seeger—they're going to be your no-brainers. Kyle Lewis had a really good year last year, won the American League Rookie of the Year, but it was a shortened season, right? right you know right. how much uh, how much clout do we do we put on that? And so I want to I want to see him in a, in a full year and see what happens. Um, but, I I mean, personally, I, I picked the Mariners to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Ooh, okay. uh, the Angels, I see them coming in third. But that's probably my <laughs> bias. That's just my bias. But, I mean, look, the Angels got to do something about their pitching. You're, yeah. you're lost yeah. in the AL and the ER and ERA. And um, their offense is on fire, though. You guys are leading the American League in all kinds of offensive categories.
1: And Rendon's not even really Rendon yet. He's coming back from injury. And he just broke out mm-hmm. of a 1-4... I think he was like, a, or he was 0 for 16 before he hit a double or, or yeah, an RBI single today, uh, you know, where we got Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's still not even firing um, in all cylinders yet. But yeah, the pitching is definitely going to be the issue, I think, throughout the year. Um, like I mentioned before, Bundy has been able to hold it down. You're thinking now that Haney has found something because he's put three starts together that have been really respectable. Um, but after that, Cobb, not great today at all. You have um Griffin Canning, that's you know still kind of a work in progress. You have Jose Quintana, that's again another roller coaster. Um, you have Shohei, which is great; everyone loves it. But the, the end, of, at the end of the day, you're you're hoping he stays healthy. But because uh, mm-hmm. he can, I mean, he can play lots out just as much as anybody in in the major leagues. He has great stuff. It's just you know uh, he, he pitched a couple days ago, and then the, the word is, is that he kind of had a hot spot, you know, forming on his hand, having the blister issue again. So yeah, I think that's definitely the Angels kind of. Um, Question mark It's the pitching and even some parts of the bullpen also, especially though that uh, middle part back end, not so much, but that middle part is something to kind of watch out for, for sure.
3: Well, I tell you, I mean, you know, if it stays this way, you know, where the angels are in contention, Seattle's in contention, I definitely see both our teams making, uh, making ads yeah. yep. before the trading deadline. Uh, one guy that's out there that a lot of people have been talking about. Uh, if the, his team continues to struggle is Max Scherzer. Yeah, uh, I don't see the Mariners going after somebody like him, but I definitely see the angels making a move. What do you think of your chances? Say your guys are still in contention of adding somebody like Max Scherzer.
1: I think they'll add somebody. I think Matt Scherzer is, is going to be a hot name by a lot of teams. And again, it's going to come down to one of those kind of with, with, you know, trades, especially when Snell was kind of the hot name this off season. it was about what you can get for him. And then when you put the angels, farm system and prospects that you that they have to offer compared to a like a super farm system like san diego you're never going to get snail and it's the same thing with surgery is if another team with a better farm system really really wants them it's not going to matter what the angels put up to get him because they're just they're not going to be able to compete um joe adele might be untouchable brandon marsh um not untouchable but pretty close you're seeing what chris rodriguez can do right now in the majors he's I'm guessing going to be untouchable after um, performance today. Reed Detmers is, is again, one of those guys that's pretty close, but outside of that, you have some guys, but it's it's high floor or low floor, high ceiling. Like they can be all-star type of guys, but they're young, athletic, and they need one or two things that come around to do that. And it's a matter of, will it? So I don't know if teams are willing to take that risk quite yet when these guys are still 19, 20, 21 years old. So mm-hmm. if if, if, there's not a lot out there, which I doubt there will be. I mean, I'm sure everyone's going to want someone like a Serger. Um, but if the Angels are in it, they're got to hope that someone that is also in on it don't, doesn't have a better farm system because you know the Angels' farm system isn't exactly loaded like some of these other teams are.
3: No, but I tell you what, your wallet is your yeah. team. free. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you can take on just about anybody's salary if it's guaranteed. And if it comes down to a salary,
1: d- if it comes down to a salary dump, then yes. If it comes back to we want prospects. Then no. So it's going to kind of depend on what Washington does. Are they more worried about getting his money off the books or are they more worried about getting prospects in return? So that's something Wash. I don't know how Washington's financials are. But if they just want a salary dump, then yes, we can do that. Not an issue. If they want, you know, oh, we'll take we'll hold on to 50 percent of the salary. And but we want prospects kind of deal. Then it's like uh, that's where it kind of gets kind of sketchy because I don't know if we have the prospects to pull it yeah. off
3: well one of the biggest differences i think between our teams right now is i think the the window like the direction the window is going and and from my perspective i see the angels window slightly closing just slowly 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 maybe because trout is getting older Mm -hmm. you got Pujols, who's in the last year of his contract Mm -hmm. last year yep last last year and and you got you got still got justin upton who's still a solid player but you know is he the same justin upton that he was back and so it, it's, and, and on top of that, the pitching, the pitching is a big question mark. So yeah. I, I see it closing a little bit, whereas the Mariners, it feels like their window is starting to open up just a tiny bit more considering the reinforcements that they've got in the minor leagues, there's, there's pitching galore for the Mariners in the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, that's the difference right there. I don't, I, I don't see the Mariners being as aggressive in the straight at the trading deadline, right. but um, I think maybe, you know, somebody who's not quite, you know, top dollar type of guy. Uh, they might go after somebody who can help out uh, the maybe the offense. Really, that's the biggest thing that I see. I see making you know, as far as a trade going down, helping us out is somebody that can help the offense.
1: Yeah, you know, the window is kind of weird for the Angels because, like, right now, I think it is kind of on the downslope just a little bit. But, like, you mentioned, pools is done at the end of this year. That money comes off the book, Upton's done in two years. That money comes off the books. Um, and honestly, the only guys that they are truly committed to after 2020 was it 2022 would be. Now, Fletcher, Trout, Rendon, and I think no, yeah, Otani will have been his last year of his deal, and then he'll be in arbitration. But those are the only guys they're committed to that's on the team right now. So there's a lot of flexibility they can make trades, moves. But the one thing that, like I mentioned before, it's a lot of you know high risk, high reward kind of prospects right now. Because if those, if you know, there's probably like four or five, I can think off the top of my head, they're a high risk, high reward. If three of those hit, and that includes Reed Detmers is one of them as a pitching and you have Chris Rodriguez, which you think is going to hit because you see what he's been doing. Those two guys, you know, can be the solid twos and threes or even ones uh, for a rotation, kind of, you can build around it. But again, it's like, yeah, with with the Mariners, I think a lot more is known from their prospects. And I think that's why they have a better like ranking on, you know, wherever you look, MLB.com pipeline or, or Fangraphs, or whatever. I think that's why they have a better farm system rating is because their questions are a lot more known than the Angels. Angels have mm-hmm. a ton of questions. And if you know, like I said, if three or four of those guys hit or or you know, you know, if Brandon Marsh isn't a superstar, but is a, you know, three-time, four-time type of all-star throughout a career, that will solidify that outfield spot once Upton leaves. And Joe mm-hmm. Adele can be even uh, half of what people <laughs> expect him to be. That solidifies your outfield for the next, you know, seven years, eight years. Um, so, yeah, I think that with, with the window, it, it's it's closing right now just because we, there's a lot of stuff the Angels don't know yet about their prospects. But if they, you know, come through, that window will open back up again with Trout being the Tim Salmon type when they won the O2. You know, uh-huh. Tim Salmon wasn't Tim Salmon when they won. He wasn't the guy that was leading the team in in war every year and it was the face of the team. He was the older guy that was there to talk to the younger guys. And I can very easily see Trout being that type of player. Yeah, it's gonna suck to see him winning when he's like 35, 36, but if he's able to mentor some of these young kids and they're able to finally get a team around him, if he wins it then i'll take it you know if he wins it now i'll take it but as long as he wins one i think that's the goal I, for me personally he doesn't for me doesn't need to be the reason why they win as long as he's mm-hmm. on the team that wins
3: right yeah i mean i tell you what though there's nothing that will bust open that window of opportunity for the angels more than a top-end starter to bear oh, yeah. with with Otani up at the front, you know, on the top one and two, and the lineup, the way that you guys have it set up, I mean, honestly, it really is one of the best, if not the best, lineup in the American League, aside from maybe the Red Sox and the White Sox, or even the Astros. Maybe if people could still argue the Astros, but right. I mean, yeah, they really do. And so you get a one, just one, maybe even two, three <laughs> lucky top end starters. Yeah, that's a dangerous team right there. I was, was saying, really
1: yeah, you signed a top end starter. But then, like I mentioned, you, you see Chris Rodriguez grow, you see Reed Depp oh. mature to where they're like a solid two, three, and then maybe they do take that mantle in four years as that number one. But yeah, you get that that number one starter next year, next offseason, or whatever trade deadline. Yeah, it, it it changes the it changes a lot. It changes a lot. Really so that's a kind of a wait and see um, with the Angels fans, which I know as Angel fans, we've heard that it seems like forever the wait and see. Um,
3: but DH, want I, I oh, you I talk to about Angels fans that have heard. Wait and see. You you wait until you, you <laughs> talk to the you, you know. Listen, let me just put it to you in perspective. I've been a Mariners fan since I started watching baseball in 1996, and we had some solid teams that year. 2001 was the last time we made the playoffs. You know about how long that's been. <laughs> oh, so my, that's you put <laughs> it that way, you're right.
1: We have a, we have a World Series in that time frame, so it's all oh, good. <laughs> yep, you sure do Man, I'll tell you what though But yes, you're right Wait and
3: see You know, it's uh, Man, nothing will teach you patience More than being a Mariners fan That's for sure <laughs> DH, I want to thank you again
1: For jumping on uh, Sunday League the Podcast Give these guys where they can find you guys uh, What your podcast is about Because it's not like this podcast Where we focus strictly on the angel stuff But you guys right. touch on everything through baseball And you guys have a wide diversity of uh, yeah, sure fandoms a Fandom. In uh, that threesome you have over there with with you, Rube uh,
3: and Boski. So talk oh, a little bit a about your podcast. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you said that. right. No man. Yeah, we uh, Sunday League the podcast. You know, we 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 just uh, got we're guys that got met at the in the Sunday leagues. You know, recreational men's baseball leagues. And um, you know, Boski's a Red Sox fan. Rube's Dodgers fan. Um I'm the Mariners fan. And uh, we just have a lot of fun on our podcast. We talk about everything baseball, but in a very the way. So yes. uh, be warned. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the bulk of our what we're about. You know, we, we, we love baseball. We, we got the podcast, the world pod classic going yes. on our fantasy league, which you are a part of thank you. I was gonna sure bring you up joining. you guys' record because I looked it up before the well, podcast. You don't want to no, you don't want to that. <laughs> it's early. It's early
1: fantasy. It's early in the season.
3: Yeah, man, but we're just a bunch of baseball, baseball knuckleheads, and uh, we got Sunday League the podcast. You can catch us on the Instagram uh, on Sunday League Podcast. Um, we got a Twitter. We don't really use a Twitter, but check out the YouTube. We got a lot of videos on YouTube as well. And uh, you know, we just we just try to st- keep it loose. So. That's what we're about, and um, I want to thank you for for having me on your on your podcast. Shout out to you guys and Angels fans and Angel Stadium for you know just being the stadium in the state that I live in, you know, and for being respectful when I wear my Mariners gear. I'm going to say you're not having to go to Dodger Stadium, not beating my ass down to the ground. <laughs> thank you guys, because again, you know, we don't we don't have very many rivals considering that we haven't been very good for very long. But like I said, this is the year. So, this
1: is the year. Awesome.
3: Yeah, thank you. Shout out to you and um, uh, shout out, your Johnny, man. You know, big, big, big ups to Johnny and uh, and to you guys and your podcast and everything that you guys did from the very beginning. We're big fans at Sunday League, the podcast.
1: And I want to thank DH again as I pull us up. Uh, DH again for jumping on uh, and talking to Seattle Mayors. I see. He knows a lot more than either one of us can can even think about because, you know, we're all wrapped up in Angels and he's actually the one out there like raining yeah, up on sure. Seattle and seeing what it's going to do. And he actually nailed the the baseball, pro- uh, the pitching projection. So you got that going for wow. him. Wow. So. Yeah, he knows his stuff, man. Yeah, exactly. And then, you yeah, know. It seems
2: like a super cool dude. I know they got a, you know, pretty. um Pretty uh, charismatic podcast out there going back and forth. I think you described it as debaucherous. Yeah, I think that a a parental uh, advisory, explicit lyrics kind of thing that you saw from like the late 90s. Right, and your rap albums. So I think I want to make sure I download that and listen to it a little bit more now.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you can find Sunday Lead the Podcast anywhere you find this podcast. Definitely check them out um it's more like i mentioned more of a, like a baseball type of podcast than a team specific podcast so it's always good to mix in one of those um type of podcasts but that's gonna wrap it up for this one um again follow us on our social media uh, halo underscore haven on our twitter instagram halo haven on facebook um you know rate review subscribe on our uh, ios or apple podcast and then also Subscribe on um, Spotify. We're all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's it's so far so good for angels. Uh, we're right in it. And we'll see how this next week goes. Our next podcast will be Sunday night. Um, I'm going to try to put one together from a new location. We'll see how that goes. You're not going to disclose that location? Maybe when I do the podcast, I got to see how the hotel, hotel Wi-Fi <laughs> is first. <laughs> it, might be, it might be a uh, audio-only podcast. Yeah, I got to see when I get there. But... It's definitely from abroad. It's Well, I mean, we're still in the, the 50 states, just yeah, not in this state. For sure. So definitely check us out. Sunday night, I'll be there reviewing the Seattle series, and hopefully, like this one, we're able to get two out of three against Seattle and work our way up through the standings because Oakland seems to be kind of cooling down. Seattle seems to be cooling down, and hopefully with all the guys getting back and getting healthy, Angels can make a little bit of a run and, and continue to be contenders. So – Again, thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, tell a friend, help us spread the word. Um, I am Down Garcia. I'm the curator. And this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast.